The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. In the course of um, the mission of Caritas, there's been many, many people who write in and tell their encounter of how Our Lady has touched them through the writings of a friend of Medjugorje or through the work of this mission, spreading those writings. And uh, sometimes um, those things come to them in various different ways. And it's beautiful to see how people are touched when they are able to read something that really applies to the way that they live when they open up a book by a friend of Medjugorje and find a direction in there that is not like what you would normally find in a Medjugorje book or to hear the same old thing that they always hear, but to hear something that actually has meaning and something that they can physically do in their life of putting the messages into their life. And the mess this list letter is the letter that we received yesterday uh, from Kathy in Minnesota, and she writes and she tells us, the book, It Ain't Gonna Happen, was left on an art display in the basement of the Basilica of St. Mary in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this past Sunday. I've seen the title before and have been curious. Lately, after a 40-day prayer fast, books have been coming to me free or at very little cost. Every time a spiritually-oriented question enters my thought, it is uncanny, miraculous. 
I read the book and prayed straight through on Monday. Tuesday, I began reading it, rereading it more slowly, and many additional insights which apply to my life have come during the meditation and prayer that are accompanying the reading. Thanks to every member of the Caritas community, from the eldest to the youngest, for offering your lives to promote the gifts of Mary in our modern time. Love and blessings to you all. Kathy from Minnesota. You never know what you leave somewhere in a phone booth or someplace or in the airport. How it affect people. I don't know if I told the story on the air, but I was in um, California, I think it was. I think I didn't mention it, but the lady went to Mass, and on the way out of Mass, they found a piece of paper that said Medjugorje. Walked a little bit piece more, another torn piece that said the date, which was that date, and then a little bit more, and it said the hotel. Evidently, somebody had left something in the church. They didn't like it. They tore it up on the way out. Dropping the pieces a long way to the parking lot. This person found it. They come to the talk that night. So God's got a way to use, well, the scripture verse says, for those who love God, well, all, all things work toward God for those who love Him, even evil. So that ill intention turned into something that was good that got people to come to the talk, the very thing they didn't want people to see. They've been better off just carrying it in the garbage. But it's humorous the way God works sometimes. And also, can be awestruck. And this person seeing this, whoever left the book, the purpose of our materials is to produce it cheap, that you can buy in volume, very low priced at all. We're basically asking you to cover the cost of the paper. But you can be proactive. <clears throat> when I came back from Medjugorje, one thing I wanted to do was spread Medjugorje in the messages. There was no format for that. And I saw that just who can go away and give away books? It's too costly. So we, I structured Caritas as it grew to, to just pay as we go, and we're able to do these things. And one book, one piece of material, one piece of literature can change somebody's life. And so today is the 25th. It's message day. We're waiting to receive the message at this moment. We'll be doing the show tonight. It's always exciting because it shows what is on the mind of heaven being that lady says these messages are conveyed from God, she gets from God what she gets. She can't say anything that he wouldn't want her to say. Of course, she's in union with him, so she knows. However, that's transmitted. Who knows how that happens, but <clears throat> by divine mandate. But one thing we can rest assured is this message given fresh that we'll talk about tonight has a power in it of immediacy they can address every situation of every person in the world throughout the day. But it's not weekend tomorrow, next month, next year, 10 years, or 50 years, or 100 years from now. These messages will speak to us. One thing, though, is nice and the joy is to be alive and see the immediacy of what's going on in our circumstances. And how that, even in the day's events of the news, often we'll see things in the message that speak to us. Today's a beautiful day on the 25th. The second of the month we look forward to, which follows right behind it. But as far as the message today, we need to see that what's going on in the church often only addresses. What the church does is often want a lady addresses. The Pope recently said, we cannot serve two masters. Either we will serve the Lord 
or the spirit of the world. And this is exactly what I was trying to get us to do, is to separate. She said, November 25th, 1998, be mine. Why? Because somebody else wants you to be mine. Bezabog, he wants you. When Jesus was talking about Bezabog, in fact, if you look at scriptures, it's got Jesus and Bezabog together. But yet, we know they're opposite. We know we can't serve two masters. One is the world. One is Jesus. And yet we have many people say, even in the military these days, that you can't mention Jesus' name. You can mention Muslims, you can mention Mohammed, but you can't mention Jesus. In Matthew, Jesus says, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. And we got this whole political correctness and this whole sensitivity about we can't say Jesus or push Jesus or we we might offend somebody. We need to offend. The scripture says the cross offends. It's a stumbling block. Jesus is a stumbling block. Let it be a stumbling block. They either get over it they accept it. Or they come against them. Jesus says here, He who is not with me is against me. He's no middle man on the earth when he walked, nor in heaven now at the present. Revelation says either be yes or no. Don't be in the middle. I'll spew you out of my mouth. Frightening words if you think about it. And so, Pope Francis speaks about the spirit of the world. And it's the spirit of the world that rules us at this moment. We don't have to be rich to be well off. We just sent two people, two of our community members off to Medjugorje. And little Luke was just sitting there saying, they're going to fly by. And then he says, up in the sky. And then he says, over the ocean. He's not, how old is Luke? I think he's two years old. Two, two years, years old. old. But he talks like an encyclopedia. But it's, I was just looking at him and staring at him. He was staring at me saying these words, thinking what's going on in his little mind. How does he compute things in his way? Which is pretty adult-sized in what he does. But this is what I'm saying. Be like little children. Little children can do genius things. They can say he's going to fly and then he says, bye, at the same time, he's going bye-bye. He's going to fly by. And so, our lady's wanting us to see these things. She wants us to be mine, hers. And we can't do that unless we have an open heart. And that's what Francis says. That's a hypocrisy. Not allowing the Spirit to change our hearts. Because with that open heart, which our lady speaks many times about, we can't grasp the significance of the things we're in and how rich we are. We're an ungrateful people. Here's two people we sent off in a plane. Neither one's wealthy. And what we have at our disposal on a daily basis, hourly, and even by the minute that only kings could even dream of centuries ago. 
And so we are rich. We do have things. We grumble about the economy. Really, it's not bad at all. We live in wealth. We live very good, all of us. If you don't have money, then you get the government that's taking care of you better than kings were. At what is your disposal? And so what's the goal? What happens when you enter heaven? Very few people think about how you enter heaven. When you enter heaven, you're in poverty. You own nothing. You have nothing. And yet we cling to these things while we're here on earth, thinking right up to death, we have to have them. Really? We always say we came into the world with nothing, we leave with nothing. But we don't contemplate, really, what does that mean? And so after Joan struggled for three hours to find something this morning, I just cut the book and gave it to her. This is her reading today. This comes from a very old book called Half Hours with the Saints and Servants of God that was written in 1889. It is the grandest miracle of grace to see a man poor in the midst of riches. We could not understand this miracle if we did not know that Holy Scripture does not condemn riches or the rich, but only those who love riches and those who wish to possess wealth. The Apostle teaches us this truth when he says that it is not the rich, not only those who yearn to become rich, who fall into the snares of the devil. St. Hilary well explains this by saying that it is not a sin to possess property, but it is a sin if it be not used in moderation. Thus, when the gospel curses the rich and closes the gates of heaven upon them, it does not curse those who possess riches, but those who wish to be rich and those who are eager to amass wealth. This is the meaning of the Apostle's words, and it is indisputable that the love of those blessings we call riches is bad. It follows, then, that the poverty which the gospel commends is not the absence of riches, but the wish to require riches or the desire to love them when possessed. The wise man depicts admirably this effect of grace by these words. One is, as it were, rich when he hath nothing, and another is, as it were, poor when, we, when he has great riches. Proverbs 7. How can we understand, and could we possibly have any idea, of a rich man having nothing, or of a poor man being rich, if we did not know that by the grace of Jesus Christ, the poor man lives as if he was rich, and the rich man lives as if he was poor. Behold, then, the miracle of the gospel and its grace, that the rich may be as poor as was our Savior in his riches, since he was the master of the universe, but was clothed in poverty. A Christian should die poor, either in reality or in spirit, because poverty can only enter into heaven. And if the rich enter therein, it must be through the gate of poverty. Thus, the greatest misfortune is to die rich, that is to say, with a love and an attachment to riches. This is necessary to repeat often to the rich, 
in order that they may not deceive themselves or be deceived. And they must be warned that poverty is the sole inheritance to gain heaven and that the rich can only be saved through poverty. We all deceive ourselves. I was in a mission house years ago and a lady from Ireland came in and she says, you got an audio tape. Uh, call me potatoes. She said, why did you say that? I said, because the title of it is, this is the basics of the message. She said, well, maybe that for you Americans, but for us in Ireland, it's not meat and potatoes. It's bread and butter. And she really struck me when she said that because we see that in our wealth of our nation, this is just a base meal, some meat and some potatoes. And we don't think about most of the world up to really modern times, their whole thing was give us this day our daily bread. Do you think for God to make us rich that he's going to bring us back just to bread and butter? That we'll be grateful just to have give us this day our daily bread? Forgive us our trespasses? You think this is the kind of direction he's going to lead us to? Well, what the reading said was how could it be who he created created the universe comes and was barely able to clothe itself when he walked the earth. He owned everything. He owns everything now. You own nothing. Everything came from the soil. Be it car, be it a rocket, be it fuel, be it your food, be it plastic, everything here that you see, all these material things, these electronics in the studio. The pages, the plastic bottles, everything here was come as in the ground. We didn't dig up plastic bottles. We dug up oil. Oil comes from God. He created it. There used to be a sign a couple hours from here that we we are good stewards of this land, and that's all we are. God owned it before we did, and somebody else owned it before we after we owned it. Nor was the origin that who is it? that owns it. You don't own anything. If you made something, you put it in your yard and somebody took it, you would say to them, if you saw it as a neighbor, what right do you have to that? What right do you have to what you have? God made the earth. Everything we get from the earth. We've got too complicated. We can't see the simplicity of how God takes care of us. And all should be that way. I'd already bought several acres and then another track and then another track and then I, I found 20 acres down the road I was just telling my son about this yesterday we was just talking about land and it's a beautiful river on it small river and it dumps into another we own the tea right there it's a beautiful beautiful piece of property I got it for a really cheap price this is back to late 70s and I walked out well it probably been the 80s maybe early 80s I walked out on my pool deck at that point and I started arguing with God. I said, God, who, who are you? What, what are you doing? What are you giving me this land for? I don't understand you. I'm nobody. How in the world did I come across this and you give me this? I didn't say this without it being uh, an argument with God. Like, I don't understand you. Why are you so good to me? And I knew when he gave it to me, it's for a higher purpose. Whether I got 20 acres and 5 acres and 4 acres and 200 acres now, whatever I have 
is not for me. And whatever you have is not yours. It's to advance the kingdom of God. And when he called me and showed me and illuminated that, I understood why he gave me everything. Oh, you might say, well, you worked for it. You earned it. No, I didn't. He gave me an opportunity to do that. He gave me an opportunity to live in this country. So that's my work just as hard, scrounging out some potatoes out of the soil in Ireland. I'd be happy with that. God prospered, prospered me, not me prospered myself. When we get our bearings right, we understand these things. We have nothing, and everything you have, I've always said, if you got a billion dollars, you don't have the right to go buy $300,000 a car. I say moral right. You have the right to do whatever you want to, but the moral right is not to do that. We deal with poor people, we deal with wealthy people. And I dare say to them, you're not free just to spend your money how you want to spend it. God gave it to you as a dispenser of that for his purposes to aid those toward the kingdom of God. It might be that you help them. It might be you're in line at a store and somebody's fumbling for the change. Be quick to give them some change. That'll shock them. Oh, it's nothing. And you'd be surprised where it leads to from there. You're giving things to be charity. The more you have, the more charitable you have to be. This mission bleeds, bleeds out materials, bleeds out projects, bleeds out what we do. It's many holes in the dikes here. We don't hold on to what we have. It's like the River Jordan. What flows in, flows out, and the banks of the River Jordan are flourishing with villages and places and, and things that come across, uh, it flows by. Why the Dead Sea holds within everything and it turns to salt. It's a marsh. Nothing is alive in it. So your wealth is not yours. And you don't want to have it entering into the kingdom of God because you can't anyway. And that doesn't mean, okay, I'll have it and I'll give it all away at my death. Napoleon's mother said like 13,000 masses. I don't know what the number was. Crazy masses. So she paid for it half after she died. Kind of funny. Kind of scary. Why didn't she do something with people before she died? No, you don't own what you have. It's not yours. It's to give to others. Our lady left us with our sweet words just a few days ago here. She said, I give you my love, you give it to others. I give you my love. She loves me when she feeds me. She loves me when she takes care of my needs. And if she gives more of a surplus of what I need, why can't I give it away? That's what Caritas is about. Love and charity. That's what it means. It's Latin. She knew what she was doing when she said, be mine. I want to be wholly hers in completeness. And that's holy, a complete, and holy and be saintly. Do I always do that? Nope. I'm a sinner. But I don't want to be selfish in that and giving that witness to that because we're commanded not to. You'll fail. But that's part of walking in holiness. As you realize that. And so, what is richness? What is poverty? What do you do when you have riches? I know somebody has told me that they had a lot of money, they lost a lot of money, and they realized they had to go through that now. And I'm not talking about 
a million. I'm not talking about five million. I'm not talking about ten million. Millions they lost. And they really are um, on borderline of where they need to be, but everything's turning around for them now. But one thing they said, this is good for us. This helped us see things. And now they're willing to give and give and give. Don't wait for that. Don't wait for this door. Frank, you there? Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful meditation today. And, um, you know, wealth is really peace. I know so many people that uh, have tremendous means and they, they suffer from their perspective of things. And that's what the writings have really done for us. And Medjugorje's done for us is it's given us, you know, a better perspective on things. And, you know, when you're focused on obtaining wealth, there's no peace. You're not happy. And when you're focusing on emptying everything out and giving everything to Our Lady, you, you have peace. And, um, you know, this is the, the beauty of the writings, and this is the beauty of the letter that was sent. Whoever put that book there, and I hear stories of, you know, someone handed this to me in a grocery store. Of course, at our restaurant, there's there's free books. We bought four cases of, uh, they fired the first shot, 2012. We give them away free. There's a big sign that these are free. They're provided for you by the owner. We always have cases of it ain't going to happen. And uh, you can, you know, change people's eternity by putting these in places and um, and give people this fullness of life that the perspective that the writings in Medjugorje brings that uh, you don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to worry that you have hundreds or thousands of ounces of silver and they're, you know, temporarily worth less than what you paid for them. Analysts are saying that we're probably going to be around $150 silver in three years. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, silver at some point, there's going to be way more people wanting to buy it than there's silver available, and it's going to cause the price to go shockingly high a lot higher than 150 We don't know when that is, but we certainly don't want to be in a paper house of cards worrying about something that inevitably is going away because our perspective isn't formed. And, and the quickest way to form this perspective and, and the most efficient way to conversion that we found is the work that you're doing, the, the writings, the um, pilgrimages particularly, the Caritas and with Caritas have uh, changed our lives and, um, and changed our perspective. You know, you would say um, you have to change your thinking, and it's really true. We had to change our thinking. We still have to change our thinking. So it's, it's a, beautiful, um, a beautiful meditation today. Well, we, we struck the Maracas Metal measure around a one ounce silver piece, what Frank's talking about. <clears throat> and we did that for the purpose of that everything, what I was just saying earlier, has to have a pers- purpose for advancing God's kingdom. People have dollar bills, $20, $100 bills. People have things in their pocket for exchange. Why not do something, Christianize it, bring it to conversion? If you have to have these means of storing whatever means you have, you store meat in the freezer, you store your money in the bank, same thing, to preserve it. But why not preserve it in something that when it's dispensed, cannot just be going to somebody else and here's your $10 for buying and exchanging the goods and services, but you exchange it 
with the silver round that has the miraculous medal on it, which brings conversion. It's proven. We know that mir- millions of miracles have been given through this. And we're up to how, how much money has been exchanged for this miraculous, these one-ounce rounds, Frank? Well, you always surprise me with those questions. I don't... Uh, um, Are we, I was exactly, guessing that. Over two, over, two, over two million ounces. And so if the average is, you know, $35... You know, to forty dollars, seventy to to eighty million at least. So, so um, you're hitting close to eighty million ounces out there. Eighty million dollars. Eighty, 80 millions, or rather, yeah, eighty millions, yeah, two million with the miraculous metal, metal magic glory rounds, and more specialty rounds certainly than anyone on earth. More than I've ever heard of a specialty round being distributed. I don't know what other one would be close to us. I don't know of it, as far as you know, not an American eagle or a government coin. Uh, we're doing more than anyone in the world. Uh, thanks be to God. Well, the beauty of it is there's grace attached to it because it's a higher purpose. It's not just means of exchange. You've got to be able to store your wealth into something. It might be in the land, which is higher than the silver. Silver, That's your goal because that's what you can eat from. You can't eat off a plate of silver except for what that food comes from from the ground first. So the whole principle behind it is until you can exchange yes or whatever you're saving your retirement just to put that in that Frank your contact information yeah you reminded me of something and I'll get my contact information one second but um, I know somebody that uh, got their 401k to buy a property and a lot of people after they read they fired the first shot 2012 are looking to um, be in a place where they can start community or be in a community that's being started uh, and a lot, and always we get the questions of how can I get my 401k? Look into this. If um, you're uh, purchasing a new property or you're you're moving and you want to get a hold of your 401k, see if you can't get it for the reason of of obtaining a new property or new home. You mean and, to, uh, that, to that, there's a loophole you're saying now. You discovered if you buy property, you can buy, buy that. That uh, somebody who's very very well off got their 401k for financial hardship because they were buying a home. So th- that was part of their clause. See how your- yours works. But um, Well, then everybody goes, say it's bread and butter time for them and financial hardship and get your retirement and go buy some land. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah, you, yeah, if you, you get a, um, in, in this person's case, they had a contract to, to buy the home. They needed the 401k to buy the home. It, so it would be the same thing. If you're, you're looking at property or, um, you know, you've read they fired the first shot 2012, which everyone should. You'll know why you might be looking to move in another area. Okay. This is something that I wanted to mention. Okay. You contact Frank? You can contact us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. And so I'll leave you with these words that... He who is not with me is against me. Don't let anyone tell you that we shouldn't be spreading first with our witness, Jesus Christ, or the way he should be mentioned in the public square. Silence no more. Wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.